0: Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Good morning, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm just fine, thanks. It's always good to be together. It certainly is. Recently, we've discussed the reality that after a year, the crisis continues with no clear end in sight. During our last conversation, we highlighted the effects of the prolonged stress of the pandemic and the emotional exhaustion that many of us are experiencing. It also occurs to me that this would have to affect our sense of purpose and meaning. Can we start today's discussion with the definition of each of these concepts?
1: Sure, Anna. You know, one simple differentiation is to think of meaning as a significance that we give to life, the importance we give to life. And then the purpose is the intention, or it can be the aim or the goal to carry out that significance or that importance. So it, it's it's how we live. Purpose is how we actually live out the meaning that we have of life. And one of my one of my favorites when we when we think about purpose and meaning, one of my favorite authors is Viktor Frankl. We've talked about him before. He was a, a survivor of the concentration camps in Germany, Nazi concentration camps. He was a psychologist. He also was the founder of Logotherapy. And he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, which is a classic. And he has this wonderful quote. He said, there is nothing in the world, I would venture to say, that would so effectively help one survive even the worst conditions as the knowledge that there is meaning to one's life. Just sums it up.
0: Oh, it certainly does. And how has that played out over the past year with
1: everything that we've experienced during the crisis? Well, Anna, think about it. We've been in this protracted situation, you know, and we're all experiencing really a collective grief. You know, the loss of loved ones, jobs, rites of passage, money, social contact, really the normalcy. And the life that we knew is really not what we're living currently. You know, and grief often leaves us with a feeling of emptiness and a loss of meaning of life. It's hard to make sense of all that's happened. And and there's much uncertainty about the future. So loss often um, of meaning accompanies this kind of grief process. You know, the loss of meaning may show up as, oh, like, the inability to make sense of, of what's happening, the, kind of that triggering event. In our case, it's the pandemic. You know, So there's asking that question, why, why, why? And then there are very often the loss of goals and personal direction, and maybe even a real deep sense of, of loss of the worth and value of life. So our meaning of life is altered. And sometimes we experience what's known as shattered assumptions. And this is a real sense of disillusionment. Disillusion, maybe that the world is a safe place, that we can live a meaningful, worthwhile life. Uh, this kind of shattered assumptions is often accompanied or follows traumatic events.
0: This sounds like a major alteration in how we experience life. Let's talk about the impact of losing
1: sight of meaning of life. Sure, Anna. You know, I, I read a recent survey that reported That about 45% of Americans who actually answered this particular questionnaire felt that the COVID crisis negatively affected their mental and emotional well-being. Yet only about 35 of the folks who answered the questionnaire had a clear sense of what their meaning and purpose was in life. And then to throw another piece in, about 40% reported really feeling very neutral about purpose and meaning. You know, they didn't really much care one way or another, nor did they necessarily hold a particular purpose and meaning in their own life. And yet the impact of having a sense of purpose and meaning is positively linked to just about every aspect of life, positive health outcomes, restorative sleep, uh, healthy social functioning, things like positive um, psychological experiences, even economic prosperity is tied into purpose and meaning. So when we have this link in our lives, life is better. We tend to deal better with everyday demands and challenges. And as individuals, we tend to, to really gain the psychological benefit by understanding what our life is about and how we fit into the world. You know, really making sense of why we're here. It sounds like our entire lives are involved. Well, yes. And, and this affects our, our sense of well-being. And it's really fundamental to our sense of fulfillment. So it provides um, these, these positive aspects, actually, uh, provide a powerful peace to our lives. We're, we're able to focus in a positive way and we can alleviate stress We can decrease psychological discord, that that feeling of unrest and upheaval and um, discontentment. And all of this happens because with purpose and meaning, we tend to dissipate those negative thoughts and feelings. So we also very often feel with purpose and meaning, less self-centered. You know, we're really feeling like we're more connected to something larger than ourselves, outside of ourselves. So sometimes our personal problems seem not not as significant. You know, they tend to kind of shrink in comparison. And we experience with this a greater self a sense of self-esteem, greater confidence. And very often we feel more confident in what we're doing. And without meaning
0: and purpose in our lives?
1: Well, you know, without meaning and purpose, very often we feel adrift. We feel empty and dull. And we're also more increasingly vulnerable to things like boredom and anxiety, risky behavior, depression, and even addiction. Where and and how do we find it? Well, many find meaning and purpose in their chosen community of faith, their religion. And about 20 years ago, there was a fellow by the name of Rick Warren who wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. It was a Christian-based formula for Purpose and meaning that included things like regular worship, regular connection in fellowship, discipleship, um, being involved in ministry, and also evangelism. You know, and then there are other paths to purpose and meaning, which are considered spiritual, but not necessarily religious. You know, they tend to be on the whole scale, a little more humanistic. You know, they might include things like meditation or mindfulness practices to help release you know, some of the, the tension, the negativity, and also kind of move us into self-actualization. You know, cultivating these internal states of equilibrium, you know, of the meditative practices really provides um, a peace, a sense of contentment. You know, it's often considered a source of meaning and purpose in and of itself to find that freedom of our negativity and also that peace of mind. It also provides a direct means of accessing, and we've talked about this, accessing that higher self, that wisdom, and also responsible action, doing the right thing. So that's that, that spiritual but non-religious. There are also other non-religious, more secular options. Very often they're connected to Eastern philosophies, which subscribe to a belief that we're part of a greater whole. So personal and individual meaning isn't necessarily relevant. You know their focus is on something else. It's all on being part of that that greater whole. And and what are the factors that make it so worthwhile? Well much of the research on purpose and meaning suggests that it requires that we engage in very deep personal questioning, not merely attaching ourselves to a particular dogma. You know in this analysis and self-understanding is reportedly the most impactful way to discovering meaning and purpose. You know, this intentional analysis provides a clearer sense of our life path and greater experience in a sense of what they call um, personal agency, or it's, like, it's really our, our sense of personal control. I, I know what I'm seeking. I know I need to go in a certain direction. I know how to go about it, or I'm going to find out how to go about it. And the studies indicate that the conclusions reached by these kinds of deep self-reflection and analysis seem to be the best and most satisfying form of, of searching rather than conforming to a particular group or a social norm. The glitch is that in the United States, apparently there are few options outside of explicitly religious channels for this deep reflection and to create this kind of quality of life intentionally.
0: This is really interesting. And I'm curious about these studies of how people
1: create their own purpose and meaning. Well, the research indicates that the strongest piece is the strong social bonds that help provide that moving toward uh, purpose and meaning regardless of one's religious beliefs. It really is that social connection. It's the social orientation, even within the religious practices that increases the sense of purpose and meaning. You know, practices that give members a sense of community, a belonging, that civic engagement, kind of the support of, of reflection on really difficult life questions like the existence of war and chaos and suffering. But across the board, it's the social affiliation and the social belonging that tend to be the key elements to open and to deepen into the sense of purpose and meaning. So how does
0: the individual start that process of self-reflection?
1: Well, we can begin just by beginning to discover our values and also our passions. You know, the likes, preferences, dislikes, really looking at our lifestyle choices also our competencies and our habits, it really revolves around some of the questions that we've asked prior on it. It's like, who am I? And and how do I live? And then there's also really reflecting on our future, you know, looking first at currently where are we? You know, where am I socially, occupationally? What's important to me? Am I living from those priorities, from those beliefs of what is most important. You know, what is my ideal? And then also self-reflection can take the the, um, activity of goal setting, you know, writing goals. Sometimes we think that you write a goal and then it's done. Well, no, it's about continuing to write goals, continuing to look at what do I want? What lengths am I willing to go to to get it? What what are the obstacles? know, it's really a process of self-discovery. You know, and then there's also that, am I ready to make a commitment? Am I willing to make the commitment to myself, to others, maybe my family, friends, coworkers, and then moving into a daily affirmation that supports this kind of commitment? Dr. Jane, what if we're just not sh- sure where we stand or where we want to stand? Well, you know, Anna, this is, this is not so unusual. You know, sometimes we just haven't taken the time to explore this arena, you know, and, and, Quite frankly, there are a variety of types of purpose or categories of purpose. You know, for some, the purpose is survival. You know, it's like we have all we can do just to make ends meet, do the basic needs, food, shelter, et cetera, no extras. There's nothing wrong with that. That really indicates where a person is in that particular phase of their life. And then there are also people who gather around the purpose of personal accumulation, you know, accumulation of wealth, status, success. This really revolves usually around competition, power and status, and certainly the consumer ethos of our culture. And then for others, the the purpose has a more altruistic tone or an idealistic tone, looking at really finding a dedication to helping others, helping others improve their situation or improve society or fight oppression, or maybe it's to protect the environment. You know, but it's usually alleviates suffering in some way, and then yeah. also people are, are kind of grounded in their own spiritual growth and development. You know, self exploration, maybe it's creativity for some, developing skills, um, meditating, spiritual or religious paths. You know, that's a type of purpose, mm-hmm. and then for some, there's the the purpose kind of goes. It's really beyond purpose. They call it transpurposive. It often arises out of altruism, but it focuses on one's awakening state and really focusing on how one can move into that transformative state of awakening and also maybe taking in some mysticism. And then also it can be about our own personal growth, our personal evolution, you know, dedicated to being the best we can be, becoming the best person, our highest self as you and I have talked. Yes. Well, what is the first step we, if we want to start? Well, I always suggest that we start by exploring our values. You know, these are the chosen qualities of how we live. It's, it's how we are being and doing in the world. So they're different from goals. Values are, are different from goals. Goals tend to be more finite. Uh, once they're achieved, we kind of move on. We make a different goal. But values endure. They tend to be the guides to living. We can't really achieve a value; we can only manifest it through acting in accordance with it. So, values tend to direct and they focus. They're kind of the guideposts, and they also provide the vitality needed to access our meaning and purpose, and or really also help us sustain the motivation to stay with it. So, values these values align with. Who we are and how we want to dedicate our lives for our deepest fulfillment. So they can be, you know, a collection of values. They can be, you know, really focused on one or another, but in general, they can be things like um, our value of family and relationships, that includes friends, maybe how we parent, you know, our work ethic, what we think about education, you know, how we have fun. It can be about our spirituality or our religious beliefs. It can be anything that, that we're committed to. Maybe that's community or self-care, the environment, art, creativity. Could be even travel or, or certainly, you know, a lot of people are very focused on social justice. Yeah. So
0: we can be inspired to focus our time and energy on any one of these or
1: multiples, correct? No multiples. That's, that's exactly right. And, and you use the word inspired and that's, that's also important. Because inspiration to focus on these things and maintain focus really you know, comes in, in different ways as well. I mean, sometimes it's about we hear about or we read about someone whose life really exudes the values that, that we hold dear. And it's about try some of that on. We don't have to do it exactly the way they did it, but, but look at what were the values that were driving you know, what we so admired about this person. Really take a look at that. You know, also to look within ourselves. And it's like, do I have a sense of calling? Am I called to be helpful, to help others or or help animals? You know, what's, what's going on inside me? And inspiration can also be just kind of worn out of our own sense of gratitude and generosity. Sometimes it comes from other people being generous are grateful to us you know so it's counting our blessings you know when's the last time you made a gratitude list what are you thankful for the other piece that can be inspiring is what other people say about us how do people appreciate us you know what do they tell us about our strengths that can also perk us up to maybe i could use this in helpful ways and also checking out our sense of community you know are we pulled to make the world a better place whether that be family church could be any of those areas. And then also, and this is the one that that I think is really important to, to focus on, is what have I noticed about my own change? What have I noticed about the things that I've overcome? Because this can be so critical. We often have the greatest satisfaction when we have actively mastered what we've passively suffered. And then sometimes, in fact very often, we're called to share this with others. Who suffer as well. You know, this is the basis of like Alcoholics Anonymous, the fellowship, you know, just to name just to name one. Yes.
0: Well, Dr. Jane, is there anything else that we might want to consider?
1: Well, you know, some of the things that I've just mentioned uh, really take time to reflect, gather information and plan. And doing it in isolation isn't always the best environment for inspiration. So Sometimes taking some action in a more immediate way can really get things moving in a positive direction, like donating some time or a skill to some um, altruistic project. It could be a short-term kind of a thing. Maybe it's a one day at a food bank, but just to kind of get things moving or surround yourself with positive people and actually have conversations about what it is to have purpose and meaning or have conversations with new people, you know, really kind of shake things up a little bit, you know, explore your interests, try new things. You know, if you're not inspired, look for something else. It's also about what injustices really bother you, you know, and are there groups that are providing some support or assistance to these populations? And then also what makes your heart sing? You know, what would you love to do?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And lastly, you know, how does the world need you? Because the world needs all of us, Anna. Oh, well, it of us. certainly does. And
0: these all sound really, really great. So many options to create meaning and purpose in our lives. This has been a very inspirational and much needed conversation. Thank you, Dr. Jane. Thank you, Anna. Until our next conversation.